Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Good to see you guys. Looking good. How's your week been? Thumbs up, middle down. Where are you at today? In the middle-ish. A nap will fix that today, right? A nap tends to fix just about anything. Well, not everything, but some things, right? Well, my name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here. It's good to see you guys. Good to have Bruce and Michelle back. Journey to California. Now, I bet that was rough, right? Suffering for Jesus in the sunshine. Good to have you guys back. Well, we're right today in the, uh, just in the second phase of uh, a, a series I've titled Truly Changed. And we're starting to move through the Gospels and, and through the New Testament, both this year and next year. And uh, we're in Matthew's account of the Gospel. Remember, I, I started a couple weeks ago uh, reminding us or in showing us that there aren't four Gospels, there's only one Gospel about Jesus Christ, but there are four different accounts, and Matthew happened to write uh, his account, and we believe it, uh, or some, I should say, believe that he wrote first, and so he said, well, we'll take that first. Um, I just started reading uh, The Case for Christ. Mike Ropa got that book for me this week. If you haven't read that book, I totally recommend it. It's very, uh, very foundational and answers a lot of basic questions about Christianity, extremely uh, valuable uh, reading material. If you get a copy of that, it'd be great. And he thinks, and the scholars he's quoting, was believing that Mark actually wrote first and that Matthew and Luke used some of Mark's material since he was getting his account straight from Peter's uh, eyewitness testimony. And so I thought that was an interesting, interesting wrinkle in that. Um, but we're here looking at Matthew and any of the disciples, if we could make an argument for one that was truly changed, I believe it would be Matthew. Matthew, as I'll point out today, even as he's listing the 12 apostles, he just, just lists the names of the others. But next to his, he says, Matthew, the tax collector. And I, I think he carried with him this sense, just this constant awareness of who he used to be and how Jesus had changed him. And just a, as a side note before we get in, just a broad I, top idea about this being truly changed. I think the longer we serve Christ, the less we remember what we used to be like. Do you know what I'm saying? The longer we follow Christ and the more he changes our life and the more we resemble Christ, the less and less we remember just how despicable and dirty and rotten, especially in our thought lives, we were prior to knowing Christ. And Matthew is, he's saying Matthew, the tax collector, even though his life had been changed, he remembered back to who he used to be. And it, I think it gave fuel to his faith and, and just helped him move forward in his walk with the Lord. And so as I prepared for this sermon uh, today, I, I began to think about who led me to Christ. And it, man, it's been so long, maybe when I was 12 or somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15, I generally look at about when I was about 15 years old is when I, I made the decision to follow Christ for myself. It was no longer my, my parents' or my grandparents' faith. It was, it was my faith, and I wanted to follow Christ because I wanted to, not because someone was telling me I had to go to church or anything like that. 
but I couldn't remember who actually led me to the Lord. Uh, I just know that it was several influential people, whether it be my mom and dad or my grandparents or my youth pastor. I know they all pitched in and contributed to that. But I remember hearing stories about how God had changed their lives. And, and that fueled something in me. It, gave, it was like a catalyst in my own heart to want to learn more about Jesus. And, you know, could he make that change in me? And not just that, but I saw their lives and the fruit of their lives. And I thought, man, I, I want that as well. And what, what about you? Who led you to Christ? How many of you can name one or two specific people that introduced you to the Lord? Yes. Now, I'm, whoever it was, I'm guessing that their testimony played an important role in your decision to follow Jesus. Um, have you ever stopped to think about where you would be or what you would be like if they hadn't shared with you? I can. Man, I just, I don't, John, will you grab that? I'm not sure where I would be, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you could have that thought as well. See, every one of us who follow Christ uh, do so because someone else along the line told us how God had truly changed their lives, or we saw that change and we asked about that. And now not just our lives, but our entire family tree is affected by that choice. When we really think about it, we owe them so much, don't we? We owe them, those people, so much. In light of their impact on our lives, I, I think the real question for us today is, how can we be that type of person for someone else? How can we be the catalyst in someone's life that makes them go, wow, look at how God has truly changed their life tell me more. That is our goal at Cornerstone Church. And so today as we examine the second of five major discourses in the book of Matthew, I'm hoping that to inspire you by Jesus's words to do exactly that. Will you turn to Matthew chapter 10 today? Turn to Matthew chapter 10. And today I'm not going to have you stand and read with me. Normally we, we do that, but there's 42 verses here and I'm afraid someone might faint. So, no, we're going we're gonna to catch a few verses here and, here and there as we go, right? So Matthew chapter 10, let's start and in, in, uh, just get to the chapter. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, I don't want to get ahead of you. Now, there are five sections. Let me give them to you here. There's 1 through 8, 9 through 15, 16 through 31, 32 through 39, and then 40 through 42. And from each of these... I'm going to pull out an application for you. A lot of times I, I just kind of work through and then at the end I apply it. But I'm going to apply this as we go. So let's start in the first section. If you, your Bible's like mine, you see that the title of this chapter says, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. So let's look at verse uh, 1 and 2 to start. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. Okay, so the, the first thing I need to remind us of is that originally this discourse was not a sermon. This wasn't a sermon. This was a private conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. Now, one thing I want to point out to you is notice in verse 1, these 12 men are called disciples, but in verse 2, they're called apostles. I find that interesting. Disciples, but with this commission, Jesus changed them into 
apostles. And the difference is this, okay? Uh, we are all disciples of Christ. Anyone who fo- follows Jesus as a master teacher or the master teacher and is ordering their lives according to uh, his scripture is a disciple of Christ. However, we are not apostles. Apostles, there are few. Personally, I, I'm not a, a, a hardcore believer that there are modern day apostles. I believe the apostles were these first, these 12 plus like Paul and Barnabas, right? Very few, okay? These were representatives of Christ while he was here on earth or shortly thereafter, all right? And so today you hear a lot of titles in some denominations, they, they do this more than others where you have a, a, a Apostle Jones or somebody, right? I, I'm not a big, big fan believer in that. I, I, I don't necessarily have a big beef with them about that. I just happen to believe that these guys were apostles and we today, no matter our positions, we are disciples, okay? And so Jesus is here and he's commissioning, he's turning his 12, these 12 men from disciples into apostles. Now the first point of application is this, and, and I pull this from uh, verses two through four. Take a look at that list. Jesus gives a list First, Simon, then Andrew, James, John. In another translation that I have, and perhaps in yours, it, he actually pairs them up. Like each pair has its own line. And later in Mark, you'll also read that it says Jesus sent them out in pairs. And he lists the pairs. And so my first point of application for us is when we're looking to share our truly changed life, when we're looking to be the catalyst that causes someone's faith to to want to grow, it's that I think sharing a truly changed life is easier when you have a friend to help you. Sharing a truly changed life is easier when you have a friend to help you, especially considering some of the the opposition that they were going to face and we will face as we go out as disciples of Christ. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 uh, verses 9 and 10 tells us Two people are better off than one. How many of you read that verse before? Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble, is in real trouble. And I, I kind of hinted at that last week when I was talking about starting a truly changed life begins with changing how we think of ourselves because when our attitudes change, then our actions change and we have the ability to actually build these good relationships. Someone with the uh, attitude, without the attitudes that Jesus describes lacks the ability to build good relationships and so when they fall, they're in real trouble according to Ecclesiastes 4. And so here Jesus, he just knew that these, uh, these apostles would need support from one another in sharing the true change that he had created in their lives and so he sent them out to work in pairs. And so when you get ready to share and tell someone about how God has changed your life, if you're struggling with it, I would say get a buddy. Get someone there to support you. I remember when I was first, just shortly after I was first saved and came to know the Lord, I had a cousin. His name was Jason. And um, we, were, we were pretty on fire for the Lord. I, I look back, I kind of chuckle to myself because it's kind of, it's kind of funny looking back on this, but what we would do on, on Fridays occasionally is uh, where we lived. I li- remember I li- grew up in Michigan right, right on the beach, and so there was this awesome pier 
you know, in, in boardwalk there. We would go down and we would like find people to witness to, like strangers. And we would just talk to them about the Lord. And, you know, doing that kind of thing is really hard on, on our own, on my own. But I had Jason with me and he was crazier than I was. And so it was, it was like, man, we just got in his little red rodent. We called it the red rodent. Do you remember the Reliant K, the Reliant car, Reliant K? That's what he drove. It was ugly, bright red. But we would get in that thing and we would go down and, and share. And you know what? It was a lot easier because we had a friend. All right, let's continue on. Second, look at, let's look at uh, verses 9 through 15. In this section, Jesus anticipates several questions that these apostles were going to have. I mean, look, he's sending them out. And I, I could just see as he's talking, the questions are like stacking up. They're making these mental lists about what, you know, uh, where, what should I bring? Where should I stay? What, if I, what do I do if they don't want to hear what I'm sharing? And Jesus goes through in verses 9 and 10, he answers the first question. What should I bring? Look what he says. Don't take any, anything. Don't take anything. In Mark, where we read about this, it literally says, he, he says, don't take anything except a walking stick. Not even a change of clothes. Maybe they were doing that like, wear your underwear, then inside out, and then flip them around, and then flip them the other way. That's not original to me. Remember that cartoon? There was a bit, anyways. I, I don't know, maybe they had to do that sort of thing. But he told them, don't even bring extra clothes. Where should I stay? Look at 11, verse 11 through 13. He says, stay anywhere you're welcome. Anywhere you're welcome. But what if, they, what if they don't want to hear what we're sharing, verses 14 and 15? He says, shake it off. Like Taylor Swift says, right? Shake it off. You know that song, Mike? I know you listen to Taylor Swift. You're jamming. Oh, shake. I'm going to ask Carla. I bet you're singing that on the way to church. Shake it off and move on. Well, no, so I, I'm sure that after uh, Jesus finished sharing this uh, commission here in chapter 10, I, I bet the apostles were like, well, well wait, what, what about this? And they were trying to answer questions. I could just see him kind of ushering them out the door. No, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. Just go, and he shuts the door. You know, I mean, have you ever had your mom do that, like getting you ready when you were a kid? And on the way, you're like a little bit, you're trying to delay, and she just kind of shuts the door and gets you out right? Or in these days, I do carpool at school. If you didn't know, I'm also a teacher. And so I'll see some parents, they'll pull up, they'll swing that door open, and almost like they toss their kids out, and then they shut it real quick, and they're on their way. Um, So the point is this, share now, right? Share now. I think the application here is share now. Waiting until you have every question answered only decreases your chance of sharing, okay? How many of you have had a situation where the more you think about it, the less likely you become to do something? Have you had that before? I've had that before. A couple of years ago, my brother Nick and I, we went to Crater Lake National Park. Anybody been there? Crater Lake? Oh man, I totally recommend it. It is so cool. After we uh, drove around the lake, we found a spot where you can climb down and there's this enormous boulder that you can like run and hurl yourself off into the water. Well, we saw people doing this and we thought, okay, well, let's, let's, we'll go down. We'll go down and do this. And so um, I get up, I took a quick look, I come back about this far and I just hurled myself off into the water, okay? 
I, I probably looked like a hero jumping in, but when I hit that water, I went, <gasps> you know, and like it is the coldest water I have ever felt. Now, if I would have come up to the edge of the boulder, looked over, I am sure I would have started rolling a few questions in my head, like, how high is this drop? How cold is this water? How long does it take to swim to shore? Are there any man-eating creatures in this lake? Will I be able to have children again if I jump in this water? Okay, like, the less likely I would have become, right? How many of you have been in a situation like that? You step up, and you feel really brave until you start thinking it or about it. And then you go, it's not really worth it. You know, you just kind of come back. And I think sharing, sharing our truly changed lives, the lives that, that, that God has given us, the more we think about it, I think the less likely we become to actually share. And so I say share now. Get into that situation and figure it out as you go. If, you'll, if you read this section, you'll find that he's saying, listen, God will provide for you. Don't even bring anything but a walking stick. God will take care of you. God will protect you. God will speak through you. Don't even worry about what to say because he's going to be right there. Trust him. All right, let's look at this next section, 16 through 31. Look there with me. Let's read 16. It says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. Go to verse 21. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Skip up to 26. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So in these verses, when I was studying this out, I realized that Jesus was addressing the apostles' expectations Okay? He knew that this was going to be really, really hard for them, and he wanted them to know that right up front. Okay? You know, I, I, unfortunately, one thing I've kind of noticed in, in ministry is that a lot of people, even just Christians, when they lead their friends to, to, to the Lord, they make it sound really easy. And I kind of have a problem with that because it leads to disillusionment. I, I was out jogging this morning. I, I, you guys know I loved, love to jog. I was out jogging this morning. I was listening to Skillet, cruising down the hill, right? And it dawned on me, running downhill is really easy. I, mean, I must have looked like a superstar out there. I'm going downhill. You know, the hill is doing all the work, right? But what goes down must also come up if you live at the top of the hill, Right? No grit is required. You guys know I've been talking about grit and how we need grit as a church. No grit is required to coast downhill. But as soon as you turn around and start coming back up the hill, that's when you need the grit because it's hard, okay? 
No, not the hill wasn't helping me then. I'm sweating and dying. I had to stop to walk once. You know, it's like, high hill. I think uh, our life with Christ is much the same. When things are going really well, especially when we first come to know the Lord and we're, man, we're just coasting. Everything is great until we get to that, those grit builders, right? The cross, taking up our cross daily, denying ourselves, changing the way we think about ourselves and our characters being in, is put in the furnace. That's when it gets hard. And I don't think we do a good enough job telling people up front. Listen, if you're going to follow Christ, be prepared for some grit builders. Be prepared for your character to be put in the furnace. How many of you can testify to that? Amen. And that leads to disillusionment. Wow, man, this isn't what I signed up for, some people say, right? Well, Jesus tells them right up front, hey, this is going to be difficult. If you have a good day, consider it a treat. Essentially, it's what he's saying. Notice uh, that he answers another question in these verses. It's not explicitly stated, but I think it's implied. He says, how is God going to help you share your truly changed life? I think that's a very important question. Excuse me, look at verse 19. When you are arrested, that sounds like a rough day, right there. When, When you're arrested, right? Talk about adjusting expectations, you're going to be arrested. But, so when it is, um, listen, um, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Don't worry about what to say. God will give you the words to say as you need them. Look at 26. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Don't be afraid. And then he goes on and he talks about sparrows and the, all the hair on your head being numbered. I think what he's saying there is, listen, God knows where you are at all times. If he knows where every single sparrow is and when it flies and when it falls, he knows where you're at because you're a lot more valuable than sparrows. I found this very interesting. We don't think about sparrows that often, at least I don't, but did you know that they're the most common bird in the entire world? I mean, there are tens, if not hundreds of millions of sparrows in the world. They're extremely common, found on like every continent, all different varieties. And so if he is aware of hundreds of millions of little tiny birds that Jesus says, what? You can buy one for two coins or a copper coin, right? How much more valuable are you that he is going to know exactly where you're at, what you need? And, and just to give you that guidance, to give you that, those words, to give you that strength to get through and to share your story. And so to the application of this for us today is courageously share your story. Courageously talk about it because your heavenly father is watching over you. He's even got the, the hairs on your head numbered. He's counted them. Now, some of you guys, older guys, you're wondering why he stopped counting or if he started subtracting, right? Maybe that's the cure for baldness. God needs to start counting your hairs again. <laughs> and so God knows where you're at. He knows the opposition you're facing. And yet he is unfazed. He is unsurprised. He's unchanging in his directive. So be brave and share what he has done in your life. Let's look at verse uh, this. This next section, 32 through 39. 
How are you guys doing so far? you following me? All right. 32. 32. Let's read verses 35 and 36 in this section. Jesus says, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and uh, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Now, if you notice in earlier verses, Jesus is specifically sending them to other Jewish people. He even tells them, do not take the roads that lead to other countries. You're only going to Jewish people. And Jews are, they're a tight group. They're like this big extended family. Uh, And you know families can get pretty interesting, right? Uh, One woman speaking of her family at just a typical family dinner, she wrote this. She said, it was a typical noisy dinner at my parents' home and dad was having trouble following the conversations. He kept jumping in and with off-topic comments and asking for things to be repeated. I, I finally and told him, Dad, you need to get a hearing aid. Looking at me as if I were crazy, he said, what would I do with a hand grenade? You know, families are a lot like that. How many of you have miscommunication in your family sometimes, right? You say one thing, someone else hears another. And that's exactly what was happening with the apostles and their extended family. They were coming and telling the people about the Messiah, And if there's one thing that united all Jews, it was this hope for the Messiah. And so they come and they share, and they're saying hearing aid, and all the other Jews are hearing hand grenade. And they're like, what? And so they ran into some opposition. They were persecuted by their own countrymen. And so in an effort to preserve their own lives and their own uh, familial relationships, Jesus knew that it was going to be easy for them to kind of like, back out of their faith, or a natural tendency at least. And so he tells them that, look in verse uh, 38 and 39. He says to them, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine, okay? Guys, sometimes the very hardest people for us to share our truly changed lives with is right in our own home, right? I think that is because They saw us before we were changed. And now they're looking at us like, this is fake. This is fake. You're not really changed. You're not really any different, right? Because you don't, some things in our lives immediately change, but there's this process called sanctification, right? And failing forward. And so the people in our homes, they see us growing in our faith and trying and then we fail. And then we try and we fail. And it's, they're like right in on us watching us every day, right? And it's sometimes hard for them to appreciate the the changes that that God is making in our hearts. And Jesus is telling them, listen, this is gonna be true for you as well. He says in verse 39, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So the application is this, continually acknowledge the one who truly changed your life. Good days, bad days, whether they understand or not, continually acknowledge him, especially among your family and your friends. Okay, last section, verses 40 and 42. Let's actually just read these these three verses here. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive 
a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. And if you receive a righteous person because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I think the question that Jesus is answering here is, what's in this for you? Right? Everybody wants to know that. What's, it, what's in it for me? If I, if I do this, if I go out and endure all the things you're telling me about, what's in it for me? And Jesus' answer was simple. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me and the Father. And anyone who welcomes you as a righteous person, they're going to be rewarded just as you'll be rewarded. And nothing, no contribution, big or small, even if it's a cup of cold water, will go unnoticed. And so the application for us this morning is this. And some of you are good at this. This is going to strike home. Are you ready? Avoid underestimating your contribution. Some of you don't think very much of yourselves, unfortunately. And you underestimate the power of your story, the power of sharing what God has done in your life. Even if you've been saved for one stinking day, you can still tell somebody about the change that God has made in your heart. So avoid underestimating your contribution when sharing your truly changed life with others. It's the smallest details that make the largest difference. I can testify to this. When I, I, man, I have this very vivid memory. When my dad, he's got red hair or had red hair like I do. And he used to be kind of hot tempered when I was younger, right? Good, good guy, just had a short fuse. Um, I remember very distinctly, there was a time I think he was away at college becoming an electrician or something. But he came home different. Like God did a work in his life. It was the smallest thing. If you meet my dad now, if he ever comes and visits, you will find he is the calmest, most patient person you've ever met. But it's the smallest detail. Something God changed in his life. I'm not sure how he did it, but he did it. And, And it just like that small little tweak made a humongous difference in my dad's heart. How many of you can testify that the small changes that God's make, God makes in you sometimes yield the, the largest differences? I can testify to that as well. And so I found this interesting quote as well, uh, talking about the small details making the largest difference. Dwight L. Moody once said, there are many of us who are willing to do great things for the Lord but few of us are willing to do the little things. Few of us are willing to do the little things. So many people ask God, do something great in my life. Do something great through my life. And yet he's saying, every day gives us this list of little things that we can do. Many times it's the smallest gestures that reflect the largest changes that God has made in our lives. The simple gift, the gentle tone, pausing to help a stranger, getting down at a kid's level to talk to them, using a kind voice when you're really frustrated, letting a person pass in front of you or smiling at someone who's sitting by themselves. These quiet acts may go unnoticed by most, but not by God. He's keeping track and he will make sure that each gets rewarded appropriately. Even a cup 
of cold water given in his name for his cause. God writes it down. Yep. He sees it. And so be encouraged. Don't underestimate your contribution. Your story is powerful. And so this morning, I've given you five different things to think about. You have your notes there, so I won't take, take time to go over them. If you happen to be missing a couple notes, let me know, and I'll help you fill those in. This morning, we've been uh, privy to a private conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. He took these ordinary men, commissioned them, and turned them into apostles. He did something amazing with their lives and so we've like a child with their ear to their parents door right we've been able to hear some of the things that Jesus said to them before sending them out and he has sent us out at the very end of Matthew there's the great commission and Jesus sends us out too to make disciples one thing I want us to think about is that every single one of us here who have a truly changed life because of Jesus, only have and are experiencing those true change because these 12 apostles went out. And not only them, but everyone that they impacted, everyone that was changed by them sharing their story, and then they shared, and they shared, and over the course of like nearly two centuries, truly changed people have been sharing their story with others. And so my question for you and I today is who in 5, 10, 15, 30, 50, 100 years should the Lord tarry, whose life will be changed because you and I shared our story? Whose lives will be changed if through the centuries people have been sharing how God has changed their lives we are a part of that. And so as a church and as individuals, as we sh- make the conscious choice to share the changes, the true changes God has made in our life, I am confident that whoever hears our story, they will be eternally grateful that we did. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we just come before you today in Jesus' name, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to listen in on on that conversation you had with your your disciples, Lord. And Lord, as you modern day followers of Jesus. I pray that these words would sink into our hearts. Lord, that you would give us opportunity this week and that we would make the opportunity, God, to share with someone how you have truly changed our lives. Give us the courage to do that. Help us to not overthink or underestimate ourselves, but Lord, to trust you and know that you are with us and that you are the one who can change people's lives. So I pray that over this congregation in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person here today that you would just strengthen them, Lord. I know there are several needs, and I just pray right now that you would minister to each person right where they're at, whatever they need, whether it be a job or something at their work or something in their home or a physical healing. God, that you would just minister to them in Jesus' name. Minister to them today. Let them know you're right there with them. Give them the wisdom 
the understanding, the knowledge, the character that they need to move forward with you. I thank you for this opportunity to be here in your presence today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you, I got an assignment for you. Before you go, even if it's just someone to your left or right, I want you to think, I want you to turn and talk, okay? To tell someone one change that God has made in your life. One change, okay? If you need prayer, I'm going to be up here. Otherwise, I'll be at the door. Greet. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.